Welcome to Tear Out the Tags, the podcast brought to you by Embolden Label, a space where you will learn to remove the labels that are holding you back. Your life is increasingly defined by simple words that are meant to categorize you. These words are turned into hashtags, making you feel stuck with a limited definition of what you can be in this world. Tags, though helpful online, are ineffective at fully describing how individual and extraordinary you are. I'm your host, B. Evans, here to take you on a journey to live emboldened within yourself and embolden others along the way. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am elated. I think this is the most excited I've ever been because I have my mentor on the show and he's not only my mentor, he's somebody who was willing to see me through a lens that I didn't own the glasses for. And so he and his wife both invested in me a couple of years ago, which is why I'm where I am today. He is a coach. He is a mentor. He's a friend. He is really like a father figure to me. Welcome to the show, Ed Beard. I'm excited to be here, my friend. Thank you. Good. I'm excited to have you too. So Ed and his wife, Janet McCracken, are the leaders, owners, founders, they're everything at the Employer's Edge, which is a company that does corporate development And Ed is one of the greatest, he is the greatest, let's be honest, the greatest executive coach I've ever met. And there's a lot of bad ones out there. So that's a big title to have in my world. (laughs) Well, thank you. So I want to kick off kind of to start with, how did you get into coaching and people development? Well, you know, the, the, initially I was working for Janet at the employer's edge and some folks just needed some help in a certain certain circumstance. And I just have a heart to help. It's one of my core values is just to be helpful. It's one thing I want to be known for. So it was a natural jump for me to just jump in and just start asking questions. And yeah, it was years and years ago. And I didn't never thought I'd be here, but I am. Uh, and I'm just coaching a whole lot of people. So he was so good at his job. He actually stole the owner's heart, married her, became a partner. And now they are like happily ever after they're the neatest couple ever. And just have a great love story. So Ed, actually, I was renting space from you, you know, leasing office space. And so you met this, let's see, I would have been about, I want to say 30, maybe when I met you guys. So I started leasing office space and we had a very leasey leaser relationship. I would come into work enter my office. We might say hi to each other. And you were in the office more, but Janet was kind of in and out more often. So you and I had a chance to get to know each other first. I would love, this is going to be so uncomfortable for me. I would love for you to tell everyone like who I was, who did you meet back then? Uh, A hot mess who didn't believe in herself. (laughs) And where are you, who, how I would describe you is your current situation and your current belief system was the total sum of your life. Yeah. And I saw something different. I saw where you could be going. You saw where you were. Yeah. And you made where you were your, the total sum of your life. Where you were is your future and your present at the same time. Yeah. I separated the two. Yeah. And it was all I knew. I, I didn't know knew. there could be anything else. So I'm curious, how do you see that in people? You know, one of the things I take a look at is what you know, uh, how others see you. Do you let them see you that way? Mm. Or are you doing something to make them see you that way? Or do they just choose for their own pride and self-esteem? They want to see you that way because it makes them feel good. You got to look at why. 
Yeah. What's going on there? What's their motivation to see you that way? So I would imagine this is the hardest part of being a coach and you do a lot more executive coaching, but I would argue you, you coached me like top to bottom, left to right. You covered every corner that there is to have in life. You know, we have this work-life balance conversation. You really attacked like all angles attacked maybe isn't the right word, <laughs> but you really helped <laughs> me right. see, you really helped me see clearly in all of the different areas of my life, including relationships, familial relationships, my parenting, my work, what I was good at and bad at and all everything in between, but you can't do that overnight. So how do you know where to start? Questions. It mm. always starts with questions. See, let me back you up on one thing. I didn't make you see anything because you can't make anybody see anything. But what I can do is ask you questions that add insight to your situation. And then what I do is I just test your truth. Mm -hmm. Is that really true? Is it really true? And you're the one who kept saying, no, how John Doe and Sally Sample saw me, that wasn't true. I didn't yeah. tell you that or make you see it. You saw it. But you have to get people to really see the truth. And you just got to ask really good questions. Yeah. I remember specifically, we did a team assessment with the team that I was currently working with at the time or previously working with. Mm -hmm. And I had a coworker who was always making me feel like I was a drama queen or the baby or, you know, the millennial. I, I would get kind of tagged with all of these emotional type words and we did this assessment and it actually revealed that I am in the middle of objectivity, meaning that I'm logical and emotional, that I have kind of a good balance of both. And that same assessment revealed that that person who would kind of consistently label that was actually really low in objectivity, meaning they're very heart centered. And I remember, I think if I wasn't already your biggest fan, I've, it revealed so much in me about the labels that I had been sort of like collecting and packing with me through life because mm -hmm. I just, I became that I allowed those labels to sit on me so heavy, especially because this person and I had had such a long relationship. And in that moment, it was like, you were able to tear all of my tags out that had to do with like being overly emotional or being, you know, drama or awkward. There were all these tags that were just kind of like hanging on. And in that moment, especially when I saw how defensive the other person got, I was like, oh my gosh, he's been projecting this onto me for years, years and years. And right. Years. So I remember that being like a big turning point and being able to see what you were, what you were helping me see. Well, let me, let me just grab one thing you said there, add some light onto it. Cause it just may help people think about this a little bit is you tore out your own tags. Now I didn't tear out any of your tags. You tore them out. Right. Once you decided you have control over those tags. Yeah. I put you back in control over those tags. And then you just started ripping on your own. In fact, yeah. you were ripping tags at just like at a rate I couldn't even imagine. Well, there was so much freedom in it. As soon as, oh. as soon as I learned that I could, as soon as I learned that I had control and that I could show up differently and sort of got comfortable with that rubber band tightening between me and some of the people who were used to labeling me a certain way, then it was like, oh, this is empowering. This is awesome. I can do this. And mm -hmm. Ed is really the inspiration behind tear out the tags, because right after that meeting where we, that was revealed, you taught me how to not let something land on me from 
particularly that person. And so I remember vividly, right? You, you would, I would walk into the office and Ed would say the meanest things possible to me. And it wasn't always mean. Some days were like super obvious and some days were, were not obvious at all. And some days I completely missed it and I would just let it land right square on my chest. And so what he taught me to do was to like lean out of the way, like the matrix and watch the unkind words or whatever statement he had made that he was intending for, for me to avoid. And I would watch it go by my shoulder and then watch it hit the wall behind me. And I was supposed to imagine those unkind words shatter on the wall behind me. And that literally changed my life. Nice. Yeah. And you started with the visual. There's another visual and I would actually, yeah, I would actually say very mean things to you, hoping, <laughs> hoping you would just lean to the side I remember one time I said something just quite nasty and disrespectful to you in hopes that you would understand where this is going. And you actually told me, you know what, Ed, you don't get to decide that. Yeah. That's not your job to tell me that. I don't need that perspective and belief coming from you. Uh, it's, you're not the person that I look at for that. So I'm just going to lean to the side and let it go. Yeah. And you got very careful about who you let give you perspective. Yeah. And you got very good at carving out the people who had toxic perspectives because they have motives that are just not cool. Yeah. They're just not cool. Their motives to feel good. Well, instead of going and doing something to feel good, let's make Brit feel bad. Let's make B feel really bad so that I can feel good. Yeah. Well, screw that. Who needs that? Well, and I think what was important that I want everyone to kind of hear and realize is Ed's really good at playing out those scenarios. So this, this wasn't like a one week deal where for a week straight, Ed would say something mean to me. And also it wasn't controlled. And I think that's what really helped me. I grew up in a really sarcastic environment being from the oil and gas industry. And so there were days I would come in and, and Ed would throw a, a, you know, swear bomb at me or say things that were really degrading that maybe people would say to females in the workplace, but it really helped me to have actual tangible situations because if you play small, you're not going to learn the big lesson. And that's what, that's what you really did for me that changed. Mm. I mean, it, it, it just catapulted me so much quicker because they were live examples and they were things that people have really said to me through my life. And so it was, it was so much more tangible for my brain to grab onto it and go, holy crap, people have been treating me like this for years. And I've just been letting it land on me. I've just been receiving all of these tags. Right. And then you took control of it. See, after a while, then when I would say something that was quite disrespectful, you actually made a conscious decision. Do I let that land? You took control of it. And then I saw you from there go outside of me. When other people out in the business world would say things that weren't quite as you know disrespectful, but they weren't nice or they didn't add to your health and ha happiness. You decided you were going to control how you're going to manage that comment. And you actually learned how to control. I don't need that. Yeah. And so you didn't have to tear out a tag because you never even let the tag get sewn in after a while. Yeah. And you know, people then, ask me that a lot. They say, you know, mm -hmm. so will you just stop getting tagged? And, and the answer is no, you're always going to be surrounded by labels. No. But it's so much easier when you can right. identify them and not 
you know, keep them and attach them to yourself for sure. Now there's another big component to that too. So for you, it was also, and I, I noticed this, I do, it's kind of common in coaching a lot is if you can't tear out a tag, just understand you can write on the one that's there, which is the same as tearing it out. You right. can write a good message on a bad tag. So you basically tear one out, but you replace it with a good one. Do you remember I did the pizza exercise with you? Yep. I have it right here. So I I'm said, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you fill them in. I said, so, so here's the thing. What I tend to find helpful, I've been told is helpful in, in coaching is you see a destination for someone. They're not even close to it. Right. But you start asking them questions that move them towards a, a very positive destination. They're not going to see it. And the question I ask is, what do you like about yourself? You, you couldn't answer that. There was literally zero answers came out of your mouth. I was sitting so, in my hallway. Yeah. Remember sitting in my hallway, just crying your head off crying. I would outside <laughs> my door. Ed always jokes that he wishes he had a picture of this, but I said, as, a, as my coach, I would have lost a lot of trust. Had you been like snapping pictures and sobbing in the, in the hallway? I did. I, for hours, <laughs> for hours, you would sit outside my door and just, so what do you like about yourself? You couldn't even answer that. Yeah. And what, what I'm seeing is I call it the pizza exercise. You would let one bad slice of pizza become your whole pizza. Yeah. Meaning someone says you are, that is your entire life of you. Yeah. And when yeah. I know that's not true, believe in people till they catch up. I already know it's not true. And you know, it's not true now too. Yeah. So what the goal is, is to get you to understand all the other good slices of pizza so that when the one slice that isn't working out so good, let's just say it is true. Funny, the other 98% of the pizza slices are still pretty darn good. And 98% isn't bad. So it allows you to put things in perspective. How many pizza slices do you have on there now? Do you know? Yeah, I think there are 64 on this wheel. And I just, I just went through them the other day. So, and I do remember, I think there were six or eight on that first wheel that we did. And all of my slices were struggle, all of them. It was like low resilience, co-parenting struggles, I was a single mom at the time. There were some financial struggles being the main provider. And then when I put, and and those are, they're still on here on the 64 pie wheel. And, but there's so much more on here. And it's funny because some of these things back then were things I wanted to be. And I wouldn't have necessarily said I was that. And I, now I read this and I'm like, these are spot on, you know, like, and it's just cool. It's cool to see kind of the full circle of, you know, what I've become and what you helped me see in myself. Here's the learning point. And this is true for everybody, myself included, is those slices of pizza, the good ones, they're there. Yeah. Just because you finally saw them doesn't mean they just showed up. They were always there. Right. You just didn't control seeing them. Right. Yeah. I always say that anytime I talk about you and Janet, I always say that you guys saw me through a lens that I didn't own the glasses for because that lens existed. Go. I just didn't, you know, it's like, I didn't have those shades that I could pop on and be like, yeah, bees rocking today, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of right? that came from feeling like I talk a lot on the show about the checklist of expectations that were handed when we're children mm-hmm. and who we believe we're supposed to become. And I really checked all those boxes with, you know, mock speed as quickly as possible and ended up in a total for lack of better words, shit storm in my life. And I was so focused on what I had failed at and what was not working in my life that I just couldn't 
I couldn't see anything else in front of me. Right. And let me ask you this. So do you know why you did that? Why do people focus on what's not working? Oh, you know, I think for me, I've done a lot of reflection on this because there have been many times that I've thought that I actually benefit from seeing myself in a bad light. So there's Keep two going. things. There's two things I've, I've realized in the last year about myself. And those are my two core values are relationship and discovery. So when I really look at the way those two core values played out through my life, they really fought each other because anytime I would go and discover something new, it would cause conflict in my relationships because typically I I don't have like a linear thought pattern in my discovery. So I'm not someone who's like, oh, I'm going to start figure skating and then I'll become a dancer and then I'll become a cheerleader. And then, you know, I'll teach cheer the rest of my life. Like that wasn't, those weren't my steps. So I right. was more like, oh, I'll be a figure skater and then I'll be a softball player and then I'll learn how to knit and then I'll be a quilter. And then I will go work in an old folks home. And like, I was just all over the place. And so anytime I discovered something new and found a new passion that came with a set of relationships and friendships that didn't necessarily get along with my rock climbing part, you know, people over here or whatever. Right. And so right. I always found this pull of like wanting to fit in to each of those places because I loved the connection and the discovery of whatever that was. But when those relationships would get upset, I then would like lower myself down because I wouldn't want to upset those relationships. And so that, you know, you revealed to me that I'm like in the 96th percentile of extroverted people. And so that really caused me to not show up, you know, authentically me in situations because I was so afraid to break those relationships or hurt those relationships. That was a long explanation. Okay. Are you shocked? <laughs> so right <laughs> you're just being b all right, right so read some of those pizza slices on your uh, on your pizza i want to see how you describe yourself okay so i have emotionally intelligent sincere adventurous cooperative impatient enthusiastic me monster which i want to get into affectionate magnetic detail-oriented overcomer honest quick learner processor confident coordinated understanding forgiving effing badass mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I don't cuss on my show and that's two for one visionary, coachable, insightful family business owner, courageous animal lover, mom, stepmom, wife, teacher, mentor. You want me to keep going? There's so many. Well, uh, the, the, here's the point. The point is how did you literally not exaggerating? How did you go from none, none? how did you go from none to that? So you're going to hate this answer because you are going to say you didn't do this, but I feel like Ed handed me confidence every day. I'm going to cry. Ed handed me confidence. I didn't know I could have. And every day you believed in me and every day, Janet believed in me. And every day that I got to be in your presence and see how you overcame struggle, it gave me that confidence to start searching for those things that did exist. They were in me. I just didn't know I just didn't know how to find them. But the, the reason is I had all my, I had all my negative tags stacked so deep that I couldn't reach any of the good stuff. So I had to really start pulling some of the garbage out first in order to start seeing some of these positive things. And I think another thing is, and I, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but I felt like my entire life, people saw me as someone who had it all. 
who had my crap together. Everyone saw me for the external image that I am and just sort of made this assumption that I must have the perfect life or I must not struggle. And I remember making that assumption about you, even though you had been divorced, you had been in a situation where you have had a broken relationship with your children due to parental alienation. I mean, you had been through some of the same struggles yet, you know, yours were oozing out of you in tears sitting in the, in the, you know, office space hallway. And so I just made this assumption that like you, you must not struggle with yours and getting to see one day. So Ed actually opened his desk drawer one day. I was a mess. I was litigating with my, my former spouse at the time. And I was just a mess. That was one of the days I was sitting there crying and he opened his desk drawer, the bottom desk drawer, and he pulled out a stack of journals and he opens this beautiful leather journal. He starts reading to me a letter to one of his children. And I just am like sobbing is an understatement. I mean, it was just such a deep seated piece of his heart that I have a feeling he doesn't share with just anybody. And it was, it showed so much of the pain that he walked through at the time. And it just, it made me see that we all have this inner struggle. We all have some of these pain points, some of those pizza slices that maybe don't feel so good. And just like I said, every day, you just handed me a new lesson that helped me move those baby steps forward that I needed to. Let me grab that concept because it really, it's really helpful, but let me put a different spin on it, but the same concept in that if you want to walk 10 miles, don't walk 10 miles, walk one mile, 10 times. Mm. See, you said the word confidence, which is the same as 10 miles. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go from zero to confident, right? but you can walk one mile. You can walk the first one and you use the exact word. You said, got me to start. Yeah. The start is the hardest part. Once you start, then you can use the last success to get the next one. And then the next one to get the next one. And I don't know if you ever walked the 10 miles. I don't know if ever, I don't know anyone that in every aspect of life is hundred percent confident. All you got to do is ask them about four or five questions. and Oh, you'll find a place where it's not as good as they want it to be. For sure. Yeah. But that's, that's life. That's people. And so when people say, I want to get from here to however they describe their destination, right? It, was, it could be confident. It could be love, could be a strategic thinker. It could be a level of title in an organization. It could be anywhere that destination. You don't just go from here to there, right? But you guys got to walk one mile, 10 times, yeah. start, get started. Now there's, it's kind of a reverse dynamic. It's almost a water flowing upstream kind of a thought, but people want to know what to do. So right. that they can do it. it they it, want to know which way to go so they can go move. You're, I know you know what I'm talking about because you ha- you've had this conversation. This is where most of my um, tags came from is I was looking for other people to guide me to that next step. And right. I mean, even still, I'm trying, I'm auditioning for the Denver Bronco cheerleaders. It's not the most popular decision I've I've made. And for whatever reason, it it always invites the backlash. People, I could just random people. I know we could get into this. I know maybe we'll have Ed back to talk about that one, but it is, it's funny. Like I will, and I tend to be that person who's like, okay, I want to start a podcast. I'm going to go find someone who does this already. And I'm going to ask for the steps. And the problem is I always ended up doing it through that person's eyes, which 
doesn't feel authentic to me. Cause that's just not how I'm wired. So I really was this like template of somebody who had been handed their identity. And I, and I was like married to that identity. I thought that that was the only person I could be. So getting me right. to move. And I remember particularly not wanting to fail, not wanting to look dumb. And the first time I put out a right. video or, or something, I don't even remember what it was. Ed handed me a piece of paper and it said, right. congratulations, you just failed for the first time. Like keep going or, and I have it. It's right over here on my, on my clipboard. It's, it will never, <laughs> I it remember will never that. be gone. <laughs> right. And so you know, make a video of yourself. There's that's a move. And so here people want to know what direction to move. It just makes sense. Right. Which like, what, what is the move so that they can actually move? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You have to move, just move, meaning make a video, go talk to someone, move, and then the next move will reveal itself based on your move. It's often, you got to move first. You got to move because the world is not going to tell you its weakness. It's not going to say, here's an opportunity. No, you got to move for that opportunity to show up. Yeah. Right. Well, and you really taught move. me that there's a benefit in not moving, that I was actually doing it for a reason. And I think hindsight, you know, I right. believed that was my value, that I was, I was to be the punching Correct. bag. I was to be the person that everybody just kind of told what to do and how to be and how to live and how to breathe and all the things. It's just so funny now when I look back, like how silly is that? But I know there's so many people that are just like me. You just said you got off a call with someone who was like, B 2.0, you know, a few right. years behind. And, and it's, it's a really common thing that we see in the coaching world. So right. I'm curious, Ed has this ability and maybe I see you through a lens that you don't own the glasses for, but Ed sees really interesting nuances in situations that most people are just walking by every day. Like he would see the glistening snow on a tree branch and be able to turn that into a lesson or a poem or something like with really deep, meaningful thought where someone else would just like walk by and brush the snow off the tree branch and like not even realize it was snowing. So where does that, is that something that you just naturally have, or is that something that you had to cultivate? You have to cultivate it and how you cultivate it is to listen. Mm. When you become a good listener, it changes how you see things and hear things. Mm -hmm. So it changes your life in a lot of ways. Now there's a predecessor to that. To be a good listener, you have to be really good at asking really good questions because you have yeah. to give yourself something to listen to, which you've become very good at. But I wasn't. But so you let's wasn't. talk about the me monster, <laughs> the tag me monster. And I still battle with this, man, I tell you. So just to give you some backlog on this, I'm super extroverted. Ed is very introverted, um, although he doesn't appear that way. And hopefully I've curbed my extrovert me monster. So tell me, what is the tag me monster? describe is that for me. to what it comes down to is demonstrating what you really care about and, and go with mm -hmm. me on this idea now mm -hmm. all right so if someone says for example and i say this a lot because i drive a team of clydesdale draft horses right i say i got a team of clydesdale draft horses they'll say oh i love horses okay in that comment when they said i love horses were they more caring about my horses and why i did my horses or was it more important for their them to tell me about theirs see you grab it because it's more important for you to talk about yourself why because i care what i have to say about me more than i care about asking questions about you yeah people think it's relating 
there's a time when you'll talk about your horses and why you love horses. Right. However, if you really care about people, you and it came up, she put it this way this morning, be genuinely curious, curious. Yeah. Genuinely curious people are driven from, I care about you. That's why I'm asking you questions. I'm curious about you. Really, it comes from who you care about, right? In the moment, it might just be in the moment I care about you more. I could be a very caring person. I could be giving out millions of dollars of free food. I could be very caring. However, if I steal a conversation at that very minute in time, I care about me. Yeah. That's why yeah, I, that's why I stole the conversation. To totally. So where does me monster come from? Like, is this something that societally we're taught? Is it a personality thing? You know, I've never been asked that question. The where does that actually come from? It's I think it's a it's a core human nature. You go. <laughs> I'm like, I, yes, I asked a good question. Yes, like, I love when my question. mentor gets to like, yes, that was awesome for me. Big win, me <laughs> monster, right, right? here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just over time learn learn to focus on ourselves. Hmm. I think we as a society can be leaning towards an element of selfishness and. As such, we talk about ourselves, care about ourselves. We matter to ourselves quite dearly, more so than we matter to the other person. Yeah. And one of the things you can't be as a coach is matter to yourself. You have to matter. The other person really has to matter to you. I don't know if that's learned or not, though, or if it's just a core behavior. I really don't know. I don't I don't know. You know, I've noticed and I, I, I felt this when you first started teaching me this lesson and it was a, it was an uphill climb of a lesson for me. Cause I'm a major me monster for me. There's a little discomfort and almost vulnerability in asking a deeper question. So there are times where somebody says something and obviously like the draft horse example, actually, I think to an extent, even that it's like not knowing if people really want to share more because they gave you, they gave you what they gave you. And so I was always a little uncomfortable. Like if someone said, right. I just finished fighting stage four cancer, as much as I would have those questions, I would also go, is that appropriate for me to kind of push or ask, you know, the hard questions. And also I noticed that, especially through my MBA days, people asked me really dumb questions. And, you know, I know everyone right. says there's not dumb questions and they were more implied questions. So they would be things like, you don't make a lot of money, do you? Which to Ed's point is not a good question. That's that's a crappy question. Right. <laughs> and it implies a tag, right? And it does. And we call those judgment questions. You don't make mm -hmm. a lot of money, do you? Or are you just a janitor? Yes. Yeah. And a lot so of people you, ask questions like that. Oh, they're bad. It's they're the you you're in fact, you know what? It's really not a question. I just am super sneaky about giving you my opinion you know, casting it as a questions, because I just don't want you to give my opinion. So I just I'll put it in a question. Yeah. You're just a janitor. Seriously, a Bronco cheerleaders? Why would you do that? Yeah, I just See, that's very judgmental question. Yeah, I just led a keynote for a group of maid service owners. And these are mm -hmm. these are entrepreneurial business women, uh, mostly women, I shouldn't say that there were a couple men as well. And people ask them all the time, like, so you just clean toilets. I mean, it's like the most degrading way to ask a question in mm -hmm. addition to, you know, just the treatment that people have for each other. And that's, I think, where those tags really started to pop in my brain of how they came into my life. I don't feel like you're, a, you're not a natural me monster. Me and Janet, Janet's Ed's wife, we're both me monsters big time. 
We have to work on it constantly. <laughs> but are you just naturally a good listener? I might naturally be have some natural elements to being a good listener, but I've gotten better at listening because I've discovered the value in listening. I can be a greater value to people if I listen to them more so than if I talk. Mm. Now they want perspective. I needed you to know I believe in you and I'll believe in you until you catch up. And so there's going to be some talking. You can't just get away with, with it all, but I, I just can offer you more value to you. If I get you to discover you through good questions, right? Like, tell me, how is that true? What's the evidence? Okay. So someone called you that or said that you are a dumb blonde. What's the evidence that that's true? Yeah. And you kept saying, well, there's no evidence. Oh, you fought that one. Yeah. Because here's, here's what people also, I have discovered in coaching, they will latch onto what they're familiar with, even if it's bad, even if it's a bad tag, they'll latch oh, yeah. onto it because they want to live what they are familiar with. They know it. Even if the tag is just going to kill them, they're still going to wear the tag. So how do you move me past that? Don't walk 10 miles, walk one mile. 10 times. Mm. Just ask you what one mile means. Ask you, is that, how is that true? Another mile you're going to walk is write down one thing you like about yourself mm -hmm. because people will impose what they don't like about you. And it's often political. It, it can also be for, it can often be for their pride that, you know, they, they give you a tag. However, that just because they tried to give you a tag one, you don't have to let it land. Right. And two, let's just say it is true because some of them are. It's just one of 98 tags. Yeah. So, okay, let's just say it is true. The other 98% is still pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that. But here's the beauty. The tag you never had is the, or the, the motive you never had is a good part of your pizza. It's a slice is help other people, make other people feel good is one of your slices of pizza. You are not that person trying to make them feel bad. Yeah. That's really good. And if that is the tag you start with, go for it. It's yeah. one more than none. Right. Yeah. And right? I think, I think that's like a big piece of it. It did start with one. You know, I think people get too wrapped start up in one. Yeah. Everyone wants to change overnight. So instead of moving, like you're saying, walk one mile, 10 times, you just stand there thinking about the 10 miles you need to walk. And that was very much where I was very right. much like I wanted right. it all. And I wanted it overnight. And it's funny because I talk a lot on the show about the millennial tag. You know, how many times in my life have people teased me about being millennial just because I'm born in that time frame? And for years, I would, I would just be like, oh no, I'm not a millennial. Like I am 110% a millennial. I'm definitely in those <laughs> years. Right. And it's so funny because a lot of those tags that I had to actually kind of confront and pull up, they were millennial type tags, right? It was low resilience, low patience, which I still haven't figured <laughs> out. And, you know, many that kind of went with that, but I had to get the millennial joke out of me first and really be like, okay, low resilience is something I really have. And so how do I move the needle? How do I want to show up? What are the tools that Ed has taught me that Janet has taught me that other coaches have taught me that I can, can use to move forward. And we actually, so I went to therapy after my divorce for like religiously for years. And one of the times I walked into the office, I had just been to my therapist's office and I had described to you this situation that had happened where 
she essentially told me I could do anything and like really helped me heal in all of these ways. And then one day I threatened something in her and she kind of just like poured all the crap we had released back onto me. And I, I was describing this scenario and you were like, what in the actual bleep? Like you were just mind blown that I would put up with something like this after all of our coaching that we've been <laughs> And you made me do something. Do you, I say you made me, you encouraged me to do something. Do you remember what that was? Quit. Yeah. But not just avoid it and walk away. Right. Correct. Yeah. You're going to push back against it, but you have to have a reason to do anything. Yeah. Remember, no one does anything for a reason. Right. And you also never had a reason to move forward. So you never mm. move forward. Now, so this is what people I think is a predecessor to actually tearing out the tag is you have to have a reason to tear out the tag. Yeah. It's like tear out the tag could be lose 20 pounds. Well, I, if I don't have a reason to lose, I'm not going to lose it. If you don't have a right. reason to question a therapist, you're not going to do it. Right. Starts with one is reason. The second thing is you have to understand you have control over it, meaning you have control over tearing out a tag. You have control over the therapist or yeah. what you ask. And once you tell yourself, I will control it. I didn't say maximum efficiency. I didn't say maximum effective with a hundred percent great outcome. If you decide you can control it, then you can start tearing. Yeah. I I'm going to ask a silly question. And this question is going to be expanded upon because it's not going to make sense. I was going to say, does your reason have to be self-focused because I notice in my coaching realm, a lot of times people's reason has to do with someone else. And that sort of solidifies those tags that are already existing inside of them. So take that example of um, someone saying, okay, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. But my reason is because my husband just left me and I have no self-confidence and I really want to date again, but I'm really insecure. And it's all focused on sort of pleasing somebody else. Does your reason need to be more about you than others? That is determined in the moment. Here's why I say that. Because a good reason is sustainable. A bad reason is not. Mm. Typically, when that reason is for others, it's not sustainable. And you see yourself not eating right, not losing weight, because doing it for others is just not a good enough reason. Right. So when people say, I want to do it for some other reason, I say, go for it. Go for it. Because I know time will tell if that's a good enough reason. And mm. then if just in two months, they're not going to the gym anymore, well, lo and behold, I guess that wasn't a good reason. Now, was it? So let's think of a better one, but you can't just sit there and tell them that let life tell them that yeah. let the result of the reason tell them that. And when the results not happening, what do you say? We just add a little horsepower to your reason. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. I love it. So I want to, I want to get into parental alienation, but I'm realizing we don't okay. have enough time because it's, this okay. is a serious subject that I think we need to just have you back on the show for. So well, I want to subject could be longer than this one. Probably realistically, you know? very much so. Yeah. And we're both really passionate about it. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to have you back on the show for that. Okay. What I want to talk about though, is I've noticed the tag coach comes with a lot of negatives, comes with a lot of tags in the coaching world. There's a lot of disrespect in, in what coaching is and what coaching means. And I think it's rightfully so. I think there are a lot of coaches out there who you know, you have to start somewhere and a lot of them are very templated programs. And there's just a lot of assumptions made about what coaching is and, and 
who's good and bad at it. I'm curious if there are coaches listening to the show, what makes somebody an excellent coach? Hmm. What a great question. Thank you. Okay. So what makes a good coach, in my opinion, is a good coach can have someone verbalize a goal and then show evidence that they move towards it. Mm. I'm not a good coach just because you say you are, you say you're not. Uh, the theories of coaching, I, I'm an evidence guy. Does yeah. the end result of your coaching demonstrate you're good? Good meaning, did someone move to the better dis destination that they described they wanted to move to? Right. Are they, did they leave home plate? Are they running towards first base? And is there evidence of it? And if they say there's evidence of it, not me saying it, but if they say they had a better day, then I guess the coaching is good. Yeah. But if I, 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 I'm always about evidence of it and I'm not a circ, you can't be a circular. Let's just have a conversation because that teaches people to just stay in the circle. Yeah. All you do is cement the circle, which is where you were in the beginning, just in a spiral circle. Never, you know, so you were like those bingo balls just floating around, floating around in the, in the wire cage there, but no number ever popped out. <laughs> right. Right. You had all these things, all these thoughts, all these beliefs. Well, let's just get one to pop out and deal with that one. Yeah. Now, another thing, in my opinion, a good coach does is they set good reference points. Mm. Meaning, here's what I did with you, and the thought I had for you is, and this is just a move. Britt, what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. You know what you said? I have no idea. You, you couldn't answer it. Yeah. I, I okay. know there was another question that Janet asked me that was, who are you without a role? And it took me six months to answer Correct. that question. Right. Now, but, but here's the thing. Thinking about that question is a move. See, right. it's a question you've never thought of before, but now you're thinking of you in a way you've never thought before. That's walking the first mile. Yeah. Now describe what you want to be known for. And so you described it. Now do something that gets you known for that. Yeah. I'm not saying be 100% right. But if you do something that gets you known for that, it's okay that other people disagree with you because your reference point is what you want to be known for not what they like you for. Yeah. So you got to switch people's reference points, but you got to get them to verbalize it. You know, many people can't answer that question. I would say two out of 10 people can actually answer that effectively. And those two out of 10, when they answer it, is it just because they don't want to go into the depth of thinking? Because for me, there was a commitment in thinking about a lot of the questions that were asked. Mm, right. It is a can they've never opened up and jumped into before. So they right. don't know what's in there. Right. And I don't know if it's a lot of effort to think of that or if it's just a new place. Yeah. Whoever thinks it, whoever thinks because, and I'll tell you, so I want to be known for always understanding over being right. Yeah. And to give more than I take to be genuine and helpful and always demonstrate courage. That's what I want to be known for. Yeah. And so I see myself doing things that don't get me known for that. So I stop. Mm -hmm. But until I say that, I don't know that I'm doing or not doing it. Yeah. And then when I see something I'm doing that gets me known for that, I don't care if other people agree or, or disagree. It's getting me known for what I want to be known for. And I think that's the authentic self piece. You know, that's kind of, mm. that's a, a key, a catch word in, in the personal development space that I think gets overused and tossed around. But 
we, we feel like we need to know who we are and live authentically us. But when there's a core value and when there is a purpose and a meaning that you're working towards the day-to-day identity doesn't even matter because it's those matter points that you're working towards. That is the authentic you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It, it is. Okay. But let me grab that idea and let me just add a little shape to it. Okay. You can't tear out a tag. You don't know you have. Right. And so you have to describe, this is what I'm being known for. And once you say that and verbalize it, life, let that bake in the oven, mean live that life a little bit. The bad tags will start showing up. Right. Once you want to be known for something, then you see yourself saying things you shouldn't say. Right. You see yourself believing things you shouldn't believe, but those tags will never show up until you know what you want to be known for. Mm, that makes sense. Then they show up. Then you got to decide you have control over taking them out. That makes a lot of sense. So when you meet someone and when you meet a new client, obviously I'm fantastic. So you saw all this wonderful stuff <laughs> in me. But when you meet somebody That's new awesome. and you get put on a new team, do you know immediately whether or not you're going to be able to move that person forward? You know, I don't even think about it that way. Mm. I, I just say to myself, I'm just curious. So let's just describe yourself to me. Mm-hmm. Describe who you want to believe you are and describe what you want to be known for and describe, you know, how you got here and describe where you're going. Mm-hmm. And then describe my role in helping you get there. Yeah. Right. And so this is, you know, this is why you can't be on the same train track with someone off and say, if you see someone on a train track, you just can't jump on that track with them because then you can't see behind where they came from, nor can you see ahead where they're going. It's kind of like in the, this maybe goes to your good coach. A good coach is on a separate train track. Yeah. And by being separately looking in, which I know you are, because, you know, you and I have had this discussion when I'm outside looking in, I can see how you got here. Yeah. I can see beliefs and, and actions that got you here. And then I can see where that's going to take you. Where are you going? Yeah. And so if you say, I want to go somewhere, but hmm, where you're going is not what you just said. I'm just a guy that says, describe the difference between what you want and where, where you're going. Right. There's a big difference. I had the other day, someone said, I'm qualified to be a director, but they won't get me. They won't promote me. Right. So, okay. So I'm not saying you are or not, but let me just share this with you. What you've done so far hasn't got you promoted. I do know that. Right. What's the difference between getting promoted and you think you should be promoted? Mm. There's got to be a Delta. There's a difference there. Here's why, because if you had all the goods in your sack to get promoted, you would be. Well, and we do this. We want to like apply the blame and be the victim with our bosses or our Mm. relationships, our spouses. I was really bad at this being from a divorce world. I wanted to blame all my problems on my former spouse and taking ownership of my peace and all of that came with a ton of healing because then I felt like I was more in control and I became less of a right fighter. So I really learned when it was okay to show up and flex my muscles a little bit and, and lay a boundary in place versus going, this is a waste of my time. And this person doesn't deserve that time and doesn't deserve the opportunity to tag me, which goes to your point of kind of like tightening up that inner circle of who's allowed access to you. Right. And the other thing you said about being on a separate track, I think that's so important because you, you and Janet always 
made it very clear that your job was to cause people to think and move them mm -hmm. to action. But when I started coaching with you and you started really mentoring and teaching me, I would take too much of myself into a coaching. And so if I was too alike or too different to somebody, I would get all confused and I'd be like, how do you do this? I don't understand. And mm -hmm. I really realized I had to learn how to care without carrying it and be that third mm. party. That's like, okay, this is my role in this and it can be a long game. And so you have to also have some mm -hmm. self-preservation in that as a coach and make sure that you aren't carrying the burden. And I think that's also kind of that tag exchange where if someone has trauma that they've walked through or something that I feel like is a little bit uncomfortable for me to coach through, I have to make sure I don't try to just take that struggle and shoulder it. Cause that's my personality is like, oh, I'll help you. I'll just carry it for you. But that does not work because it doesn't help them. And it definitely doesn't help the coach either. Right. And so I have a question for you. So, I mean, in the thousands of people we've coached, so you're, you're at the very top in terms of, I don't know, maybe call it a success story, meaning mm -hmm. the difference between where you started and where you're at today. And so describe the belief system someone has to have to move from a babbling mess outside my office <laughs> to just a joyful heart that you are today. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to hand you all the credit. And again, you and Janet saw me in a way that no one else had ever seen me. I feel like I went through most of my life being very unseen. However, I wasn't willing to be seen because I wanted to please the people who had handed me roles or handed me responsibilities or handed me tags. I was so afraid mm. of that relationship upset that I wasn't even asking to be seen and you guys were willing to mm. see me anyway. So mm -hmm. it, it really upset this pattern in me of lowering myself down to lift others up. And even still mm -hmm. to this day, I have this tendency. If I feel like I'm threatening someone, or I feel like someone is, you know, like sees my value as something that's less than I will tend to kind of lower myself into that place so that I can still mm -hmm. have relationship and connection with them. So it's something I'm still working on up to this point, but I mm -hmm. really, I, I really feel like the credit was to you guys. Cause you didn't give up on me and you just kept, you just kept wearing those glasses that I didn't have. So mm. I, I, I don't know if you like that answer or not, but that's, I mean, I just started writing. There's my not book. a like or dislike to see. That's just there's no like or dislike to the answer. It's just how you're thinking about it. That's right. I'm just curious. I just want to know. Yeah. I just want to know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Love it. I know. Look Let at me, me tag myself. <laughs> Are you happy? Is that a bad question, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I'm super happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel right? very lucky. I feel very lucky to have crossed paths with you. And and my my biggest dream in my life is that I will be able to mentor and support a few people along my road that you just like you've done for me and, and that you've done for so many other people. One of the, one of the things, um, and I don't think I've ever shared it here on the show, but we had a coaching, you know, there were, there were several steps that we had taken and I was kind of coming into this more confident place. I was working more with you and Janet, we were all traveling together and co-facilitating on things. And you guys were giving me opportunities to coach here and there. And we had a coaching where a young woman about the same age as me, had done a 360 assessment and a 360 is when you assess yourself and your boss assesses you and your peers assess you and your subordinates assess you. So it's kind of a whole circular 360 view on who you are as a leader. And she, this woman was 
oh my gosh, like I was wearing the glasses and was seeing her through the lens that she didn't own the glasses for. And she had dreams of being a CEO one day and just brilliant, brilliant young woman, super driven, very smart, very capable. And this 360 assessment revealed that she saw herself as a three out of five on this scale that this assessment falls on while everyone else on her team, except for one person saw her as a five out of five, which by the way, never happens. Right. I mean, it's very rare that that someone scores that high in all of the categories. And so what you found is that she was seeing herself through the eyes of this woman who she worked with that really was kind of an abusive workplace environment, a leader that hired her in the first place and then became peers with her and then quickly became her subordinate. So here's this young woman who is now this person's boss and is kind of being pecked to death with all these negative labels. And I remember walking out of that coaching, just going, holy cow, that's me. Like that's, I just got to look through a mirror and see where I had come from and, you know, and kind of this avatar of someone who was just a few steps behind me and you've been working with her for years now. So, I mean, she's killing it. In fact, she still asks about you and the contents of our last event, I had to, it took up the full hour, but uh, you're going to have to join us on the next one because I just can't hurt to not get her to not ask about you. And I, I'm not trying. I want to make her happy too. And yeah. And so you have to join and I got, it's on the calendar. Let me go find it and I'll send you an invite to that. Cause she loves you. Yeah. And I think you just had an, you know what you conveyed there. You conveyed to her hope. So yeah. I got a question for you. Is it possible that anybody can move forward from wherever they are or will, is, are some people going to be stuck there forever? Yeah, no, now I believe anyone can move in any direction they want to. Right. Okay. And so why do you believe that? Because I did it. Right. Yeah. See? Yeah. And so, and so let's see, that's, that's the beauty of it. You didn't walk 10 miles, my friend. You just start walked one mile. Then you walk a second one. Then you walked a third one. You're on about your 300th mile, but thank you. See, that's what it, you're very welcome. (laughs) Jen and I are so proud of you. Thanks. We are so proud of, we are so proud that the Brit who can offer just goodness to this world is now in the world. Yeah. Is now in the world doing good things. And there's going to be some people that are going to really, really be happy and good people in this world because you're in it. And now you know how to move from there to here. Yeah. Right. And so good for you. We're proud of you. We really are so proud of you. I I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. I I feel like I always have had a lot of heart, you know, like just Mm -hmm. love, a lot of care, a lot of like, I I see beauty in really unique ways that then, then is like societal expectation. And it's so cool to have a place to take that heart. And, and I know like as moms, we're supposed to, we're told, you know, oh, you have your spouse and your family and your, and I just, I really remember feeling like all of that heart needed to be committed to the things that I already was, the roles I already played. And it's made such a profound difference in my life to share my heart in such a bigger way. And even through this podcast, to be able to just share that passion and that heart. And it has done 10 times more for my spouse and my children to have a happy wife Mm. and a happy mom who is, you know, exuding that heart passion. And I think that's the thing. I think that's where you have taught me that those beliefs that we are stuck in that place, 
that is mm-hmm. just part of that checklist of expectations and and that's it can be erased right. and changed and then rechecked off yeah yeah once you decide you have control over it right yeah oh my you gosh you have to decide you're going to take control over it right yeah <laughs> i'm so Here's glad everybody has the control everybody has their hand on the control lever some people just don't know it's there yeah there's no such thing as I don't have control over a hundred percent of my life. It never exists. Everyone has more control somewhere than what they know. Even me here and even you there, we still have more control than what we know. Now I didn't yeah. teach you anything. You taught yourself something. It's just I just asked you if it's true. Yeah. And you kept saying no. That's yeah. not true anymore. Yeah. Then you taught yourself. Yep. See. I love that you bring up the tag control too, because I definitely was someone who was, I was trying so hard to control everything else and control the relationships in my life and the, the way that the world moves around me. And I wasn't working at all on the control within myself and the control within my identity and the control within how I showed up which was kind of funny because it's a commitment. It's a commitment to have a relationship with yourself and to really look at some of those tags that aren't serving you, like trying to control your ex-spouse who you couldn't control when you were married, (laughs) which we will get into next time. Ed, thank you so much for joining me. I'm like, I've been waiting to have you on the show since the beginning. And I'm just, it's just such a joy to have you as a mentor and friend. And, you know, I just can't thank you enough. And I'm so glad that my audience got to hear your wisdom and I'm sure they're all going to be blowing you up. So Ed is at question professor on Instagram. We all need to go follow him and harass him because I'm trying to get him to start posting his amazing content. And then you can also find Ed at theemployersedge.com. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, my friend. Thank you.